Great music, amen. amen. I love rap music, and uh, I'm a fan of Lecrae, who is a rap singer, but this was great music. There was an anointing on that. Amen. That's a great ministry, brothers. Hallelujah. Second Kings chapter 9. Hallelujah. I have a great scripture that we're going to read together in Second Kings chapter 9. Because in this scripture, the kingdom of Israel had one unrighteous king after the other. And the moment that we are reading, uh, the Bible speaks uh, Ahab was the last king. And now Jezebel's son, he's the king, but she's the boss. <laughs> Amen. And so the country is in turmoil. Elijah, he sends a young prophet. He says, we need a new king. Go into this place. You'll find a man there. His name is Jehu. And just go into that place, amen, and, and take him into an inner room, anoint him with oil, and then run for your life. <laughs> and that's exactly what he does. But if you read together with me in a moment, amen, that the moment Jehu is anointed as the new king, something just tremendously happens, amen. And every person that Jehu comes in contact with after his anointing, amen, something turns around. And I'm going to read it to you in a moment. It's, just, it's something in that anointing that can, think th uh, that can turn things around. Amen. And we want to go back from this conference Friday evening or maybe Saturday morning. And we want to see some things turned around. Amen. How many people are here say, I need something to turn around? Amen. Amen. In my marriage, in my church, in my morals, in my finances. And the anointing will do it for you. Amen. The anointing will turn things around. Because let's read together, because this is something very powerful. Second Kings 9, amen, starting in verse 11. And Jehu came out to the servants of his master, and one said to him, is it all well? Why did this madman come to you? He's talking about the prophet. And he said to him, ah, you know the man and his babble. And they said, a lie, tell us now. So he said, thus and thus he spoke to me. Saying, thus says the Lord, I have anointed you king over Israel. And then each man hastened to take his garment and put it under him on the top of the steps. And they blew the trumpet saying, Jehu is king. And then skip down to verse 16. So Jehu rode in the chariots and went to Jezreel for Jordan was laid up there. And Hezekiah, king of Judah had come down to see Joram. Now a watchman stood on the tower in Israel, and he saw the company of Jehu as he came, and he said, I see a company of men. And Joram said, get a horseman and send him to meet him, and let him say, is it peace? So the horseman went to meet him and said, thus says the king, is it peace? And Jehu said, what have you to do with peace? Turn around and follow me. So the watchman reported saying, the messenger went to them, but he's not coming back. And then he sent out a second horseman who came to them and said, Thus says the king, is it peace? And Jehu answered, What have you to do with peace? Turn around and follow me. So the watchman reported, saying he went to them and is not coming back. And the driving is like the driving of Jehu, the son of Nimsi, for he drives furiously. And then Joram said, Make ready. And his chariot was make ready. Then Joram, king of Israel, and Isaiah of Judah went out, each in his chariot, and they went out to meet Jehu, and they met him on the property of Nabot, the Jezreelites. Now it happened when Joram saw Jehu that he said, Is it peace, Jehu? So he answered, What peace? As long as the harlot trees of your mother Jezebel and a witchcraft are so many. And then Joram turned around 
and fled and said to Ahaziah, Treachery, Ahaziah. Now Jehu drew his bow with full strength and shot Joram between his arms and the arrow came out at his heart and he sank down in his chariot. And then the last verse, it goes on, he goes to the palace and it says in verse 30, Now when Jehu had come to Jezreel, Jezebel heard of it. And she put pain on her eyes and adorned her head and looked through a window. Then as Jehu entered at the gate, she said, Is it peace, Zimri, murderer of your master? And he looked up at the window and he said, Who's on my side? Who? So two of the three eunuchs looked at him. And then he said, Throw her down. So they threw her down and some of her blood spattered on the wall and on the horses. And they, he trampled her underfoot. Let's pray. Father, we ask you right now that you will give us a revelation, Lord, on your anointing. Because we definitely, we want to see things turn around. And we want to see a revival, Lord. And we ask you tonight that you give us a revelation about the anointing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's preach for a moment on the anointing that turns everything around. Let's think about this anointing for a moment. And I know some of you get nervous. Because if we want to go to speak about the anointing, we'll, amen, we get a little bit nervous in the potter's house. And the reason why we get a little bit nervous, because we know the anointment from the charismatic movement. And in the charismatic movements, the anointing can mean any, everything. Amen, people barking in the spirit, laughing in the spirit, uh, gold dust coming from the ceiling, angel feathers, uh, all the nonsense, all the junk. Uh, amen, but the fact is, anointing is a biblical thing. Amen. Anointing is something that you receive from God to equip you to do a task that you normalize uh, could not be able to fulfill. And the Bible says about Jesus of Nazareth, who went about doing good, uh, amen, anointed by God. Anointed by God, uh, amen. And the Bible says healing uh, all that were oppressed by the devil, uh, amen. I know that the Pentecostal movement uh, and the charismatic movement, uh, amen, they messed up the whole anointing. Uh, but I'm telling you, anointing is still here and it's still true. And sometimes I feel we can be a little bit too afraid. And we get very sober, amen, very businesslike, very pragmatic. But I'm telling you, if we want to see something turn around, we need the anointing of God working uh, in our churches and in our lives. And think about this for a moment. The prophet comes in and he says, who of you is Jehu? He takes him into the inner room, uh, amen, uh, pours the oil on his head. Now we know that oil from the hand of a prophet is a picture of anointing. And Elisha said, anoint the guy and run away. So he comes into the room and says, what did this crazy man say? Because it's a cra- it was a crazy scene. They're sitting there in discouragement. They're complaining. And they don't know what to do anymore. All of a sudden, this young prophet comes in, says, come in. He anoints him. The guy comes back in the room and they said, what did this madman say? He says, ah, nothing. <laughs> no, that's all I tell us. And Yehu didn't want to say it because it sounded so crazy. And he says, well, actually, he anointed me as king. And instead of start to mock him, like some people in Holland and some people in the Northwest love to do. <laughs> the Bible said they accepted that. Uh, amen. They put out their garments, uh, blew the trumpet, said, Yehu is king. They accepted his leadership, which is an absolute miracle. Can you say Amen. 
And then the Bible goes on, amen, they're driving towards the palace, amen, the people on the, the watchman on the gate, he says, man, somebody's coming, amen, they send in the soldier, and the soldier comes, amen, and says, is it peace, Yehu, and Yehu says, what peace, what do you know about peace, you follow me, amen, turn around and follow me, and an amazing thing happens, amen, this soldier takes his horse, amen, and joins him. And we just read the story, amen, the second guy is sent. And the king doesn't get it anymore. And the second guy, uh, I mean, just think about it. Here's Jehu. He, he, he's, he's just got anointed with a flask of oil. That's not a little bit of oil. That's maybe a, a whole liter of oil. He has been driving through the desert for a couple of hours. He's filled with oil, uh, amen, sand is everywhere. Uh, and here's this second soldier. He's like, uh, amen, uh, what kind of strange group of this? Hey, I remember that guy, he used to ride with me. He's an old ex-colleague of me. And this guy, he's leaving them, he's covered with oil and sand, amen. And he says, is it peace? And this guy says, peace, what do you know about peace? Turn around and follow me. And the miracle happened, boom, the anointing hits him. And he turns around and he followed me. And there's this turnaround. People start to accept his leadership. People start to follow him. And when things start to happen, because anointing does not stay hidden. Amen. Amen. If it's on your music group, people will get saved. Amen. They will turn around. If it's in your preaching, amen, it will not stay hidden. And the amazing things happen, amen, people turned around. How many people believe that Jesus had that anointing? That Jesus could walk the streets. And to be very, very honest, sometimes when I was pioneering, I thought for Jesus was much more easy. He just walks on the streets, he's met you at the tax office. Hey, you there, follow me. <laughs> Makes you chest up, throws aside everything he has and follows Jesus. And I thought, well, that's easy, amen. We witnessed for 15 hours. And somebody say, can I go now? <laughs> he sees, leave you at the tax office. He sees Philip. Hey, say, you, Philip, come and follow me. And people start to follow him. And they turn around. But I'm telling you, God's kingdom needs people with that anointing in their life. Amen. To see a turnaround. People saved. People born again, filled with the Holy Spirit. There's so many people riding with the devil. That should turn around and start to follow our king. Amen. Amen. Now we know that this anointing is also in a perverted, perverted form. You know that the devil, he has an anointing. It's not the anointing that the Bible talks about, but it's the perverted form. You know, the devil used to be an archangel. And the devil used to be in heaven. And the Bible said that one day he says, I will ascend above the most high. And that one day he said, I will be like the Most High. And just think about it. He's in heaven. He's an archangel. And he thought, I'm going to kick God off his throne. I'm going to raise the throne. I'm going to kick God off the throne. And then I will be God. Now, how, can you, how stupid can you be? I mean, how stupid can you be to think that you can get God off his throne and they will worship you? But I'm always amazed to think that one-third of all the angels, I mean, they're in the presence of the Almighty God Himself. There's no sin in their lives, amen. And, and in, from the presence of God, He turns them around into rebellion against God. Jesus said, I saw Satan fall from heaven like a lightning. Amen. When Satan woke up on the earth, he says, whoa. <laughs> I mean, just, so, okay, we're going to raid the throne. 
Amen. Let's let's lay raise an altar. And they woke up on the earth. And they found out. Amen. But just think about it, amen. These people, these these angels, from the presence of God, turn to sin and rebel. I've seen it happen. Amen. Good people with good hearts. And one way or the other, they came into contact with the wrong people, and those wrong people just turned them around. And I know now this not in the natural, there's this demonic, perverted anointing that the devil has. Just think about the people of Israel. Amen. I always, when I read it, I'm puzzled. You go from Egypt through the Red Sea, the whole story, and the whole time they want to turn around and go home. Isn't that strange? You know, one day, no water. I want to go home. Let's turn around. Let's go back. They saw the Red Sea parted. They saw the manna every day. And the whole time there was this spiritual attack that they wanted to turn around and go back. Amen. After all these years, they're finally on the border. And the Bible says that they say, let's go back. Sometimes you get so sick and tired. Amen. Of all these people that, you know, the devil is laying his hands heavy on them. And they always want to give up. They want to go back to the world. Amen. Because the devil has this perverted anointing to take a life. That's on the right track. Amen. And try, and he try, and he try to turn it around. In Holland, we love to use the illustration of Britney Spears. You know Britney Spears. Amen. <laughs> Probably she's being preached more on than any other, any other singer at the moment. But you know when Britney Spears was 17 years old? She's as old as my daughter is now. She started his, her career. And she made a statement. She's a Baptist. She says, I want to marry a virgin. Amen. I'm mean, so a young girl, good-looking young girl. This is her plan for life. I want to stay a virgin, and one day I'll marry. Amen. But I'm telling you, after, now, after a couple of years, uh, she was married twice. Amen. She was not a virgin anymore. She had two children, two divorces. And if you see her life, you're swindling down. Said, so what happened to this girl? Amen. She has this thing. I want to be a virgin. I saw that great sign in the hallway. People writing their names. I want to be clean. Amen. But I'm telling you, the devil is able. If you don't watch out, the devil is able to turn that around. And somebody like Britney Spears, who had a, who had a thing that she said, this is what I want to do with my life. I want to live clean. I want to do it God's way. I have an article here that says she wrote 666 on her forehead, had two new tattoos, and was chasing the hotel personnel saying she was the Antichrist before they put her into rehab. And she came out, she's doing much better now, but I'm telling you, uh, amen, the devil has this anointing in the perverted form. But God tonight, in this kingdom, has this anointing for us. And if we want to see something turn around, We'll better make sure that that anointing is working in our ministries. I mean, just think about a guy like David Wilkerson. Don't you lo- like the cross and the switchblade? He is this skinny country preacher from Pennsylvania. Noesville, Pennsylvania. He goes into the slums of New York uh, where the prostitutes are and the gang members and the Mau Maus and the bishops. Uh, amen. He just starts to preach. Uh, and what happens? Uh, things start to turn around. And a gang leader like Nicky Cruz today, it's years ago, he's still preaching that gospel. And he says, that day that I got saved, uh, my life totally turned around from witchcraft, hatred and bitterness uh, to loving Jesus and preaching the gospel. 
What, what did Wavered Wilkerson have? Did he have a big program? No. Did he have a big church supporting him? No. He had the anointing. Amen. Just a skinny country preacher that went into that place. Amen. And that's what we need. Young gangsters got saved. Drug addicts got saved. Uh, and if that anointing is working in our lives, uh, we can go places. Uh, amen. And we will see things turn around. Lives turned around. Amen. Marriages turned around. Uh, oh God, tonight give us that anointing. But let's look secondly at the greased opposition. Because there was an increased opposition. Because when the soldiers did not come back, King Joram said, King Devil said, Take my chariot, I will deal with this. And so the Bible says they put his chariot there. Amen. He goes to that place and he starts to attack Yehu because the better a church does, the better a person does, amen, how mo- the more imposi- opposition he will face. Because King Devil himself will come against everything that you would like to do. Amen. Especially when you're a man or a woman that says, I want to go full on for God. If you come back for this conference, the first thing the devil would love to do is take his chariot, ride out. Amen. And just a couple of little things, just take away all your faith and you go back to normal. I remember in 1997, we had a great conference with Pastor Scott Lamp. I was so touched in that conference. Me and my wife were pioneering that we said on Saturday, forget the kids, let them stay at grandmother's. We're going to evangelize. And we're on the street together with my wife, and she's not speaking to anybody, and I was not speaking to I was so intimidated. I had been in the city already for five years. But I got so intimidated that I didn't want to speak to anybody. So I thought, oh, my wife will speak to somebody. <laughs> and she said, Martin, why don't you just speak to somebody? I said, I don't know. I just feel an oppression. And she said, I feel the same thing. It was a spirit of intimidation. I mean, here you are, the man of God, afraid to speak to anybody. Amen. And King, Jen, King Devil says, I will increase the opposition, uh, amen. And here's this devil, he comes to him uh, and he says, is it peace? And you know what he said, Yeah, he says, what peace? As long as the harlotries and the witchcraft of your mother are so many. In my country, you don't talk about somebody's mother like that, <laughs> unless you want to fight, <laughs> amen. And he just takes a stand, he says, and he says, boom, he just confronts this guy straight in his face. And then, I, 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 I'm thinking about the scripture, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Because the devil turns around, uh, amen, uh, and he rides off, uh, Joram takes his bow and arrow, uh, and by the power of God, shoof, and he hits him straight in the heart. Because there's an anointing uh, that, can, that can touch sin straight in the heart. And he died. But then something very interesting happens. The Bible says, as soon as Jezebel heard this, verse 30, she put paint on her eyes, adorned her head, and looked through a window. Now, that spirit you have to understand. I'm talking about somebody who wants to do something for God, somebody who just got anointed, and there's somebody that's trying to win people over and let them t- turn around. Somebody that says no to the devil. And now this spirit uh, comes around the corner. Uh, and the method is destruction through seduction. Because Jezebel is a person but is also a spirit. Because the Bible talks in Revelations. Uh, amen. In Revelations 2.20, you allow that woman Jezebel. 
to seduce the servants uh, to commit sexual immorality. Uh, amen. A spirit is at work. Uh, you have to understand this. Uh, I'm talking about increased opposition. Young and older men uh, that want to have that anointing. Uh, and they're making a stand. Uh, and all of a sudden, a spirit comes around the corner. And it says, you think you can, amen, you can defeat everything. Or you can defeat this. But try this spirit. Amen. And the Bible says he puts paint on her face. Probably that means makeup. She adorns her hair. And we always think, ah, Jezebel was ugly. Well, I must say, was she, I'm sure she was ugly on the inside. But we don't know if she was ugly on the outside. And if she thought, if I can put up some paint and do my hair a little bit, hey man, unbutton the shirt a little bit and sit before a window. When the man of God comes in, she really believes she could seduce him. So she must have looked pretty good in those days. Amen. And so you have to understand the spirit. There's a, this is a, I mean, this is, a, this is a statement that she makes. And she says, your anointing can beat everything. Try this. And she sits behind the window. Now, we don't know if it was Windows XP or Windows System 7 or Windows Vista. But she just sits behind the windows. And she's making a statement... Amen. Your anointing can beat everything, but not this spirit. Amen. And the whole thought behind this, if one plan doesn't work, the other plan will work. And I'm telling you, especially to anointed people. And I'm talking a little bit to the men right now, especially to the ones that God has a plan with. Amen. They defeated some things in their lives. In 2010, this spirit is coming against the church. Amen. This Jezebel spirit who tries to seduce the, the servants of God to commit sexual immorality. Because the devil really doesn't care how you fall as long as you fall. Oh, can, I cannot intimidate you anymore like I could in 1997. Amen, if your family comes against us, you draw back. I cannot do that strategy anymore. Well, it does not actually not matter. Like Balaam, he tried to curse the people of God. But the Bible said when he opened his mouth, he blessed them. And there was a revelation that said there is no sorcery against people, against God's people. And so the whole plan didn't work. But in Numbers 24, there was a new strategy. And he says, let the temple dancers just invite the young men of Israel in just to have a quick watch. And they had a quick watch. And before they knew it, they were committing sexual immorality. And I couldn't curse them, but it doesn't matter. I got them anyway. Because if one strategy does not work, amen, the other strategy will work. Because this spirit hates the men of God. You know, we always puzzle about Elijah, right? He's on the Mount Carmel. You know the story, they build an altar. And there was 450 priests of Baal. And nobody knew who was the real God anymore. So Elijah said, let's do it like this. The God that answers with fire, let him be God. Let's build an altar. Let's pray. If Baal gives us fire, he will be God. If God gives us fire, he will be God. So the Baal priests, they pray. And they sing and they dance. They cut themselves. Uh, they're in a frenzy. But there's no fire. And then Elijah stands up. He prays. Uh, put some water on the altar to make it extra dramatic. And the Bible says he prays and poof, fire from heaven. Oh, they just kill and, and, and slaughter these priests. There's a big, great thing going on. And then Jezebel sends him a message. Because this spirit hates the man of God. 
especially when he's doing good. And the Spirit says in 1 King 91, Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me and more. If I do not make your life as their life, in other words, you're going to die, tomorrow against this time. And the, and the strange thing happens. Elijah turns around and runs away. He goes into the desert, sits under a tree, and he says, oh, Lord, take my life. I'm no better than my father's. Amen. He's depressed. He wants to die. Amen. Something got a hold of him. I'm talking about a spirit. I'm talking about increased opposition. I mean, depression, immorality. It comes against your life, and especially when you have the anointing on your life. Now, let's look tonight at this anointing that turns everything around. Because I'm telling you, here's this man. Amen. He defeats all these things. And I like this part of the story. Jezebel, she stands there up, up there. She's, she's, she's surrounded by eunuchs. Now, how many people know what a eunuch is? Amen. A eunuch is a man who's no longer a man. <laughs> Spiritually speaking, if you hang around this spirit too long, you'll become a spiritual eunuch. And if you go to many, many charismatic churches, the women run the whole show. And the men are sitting in the back doing absolutely nothing. And here is, here is Jezebel. She's surrounded by these men. Amen. They're unfruitful men. They're eunuchs. Amen. And here he, the Bible says in verse 32, he, he lifts up his eyes. And he looked, amen, at that window. And he said, who of you is on my side? And then all of a sudden, this invisible power, amen, just hits some of these people. And I'm just, I'm just, I mean, it's my sermon, so I can preach it like I want to, right? <laughs> I, can, I can see these guys standing, they're like, they're all afraid of her, amen. And she's like, hey, I'm going to kill you, and they're all afraid. And all of a sudden, hey, you, up there, who's on my side? And maybe one is looking. He's afraid. But he wants to take a stand. And then all of a sudden, this power grabs hold of three of those men. They take her up and they throw her out of the window. And he takes his horse, his horse staggers and just tramples her like it has been prophesied a long time ago. And the dogs came and ate her. Now I know it's a little bit gross. Amen. But I must say, I love it. Because here is three men. Three men that nobody expected anything of them anymore. I mean, the devil had stamped them unfruitful, not dangerous. Uh, amen. Just spiritual eunuchs uh, under, uh, the, I mean, I mean under, under, maybe under a wife that's a little bit too hard on them. Maybe under condemnation. But nobody expects anything of them. And they free Israel from the grip of Jezebel. Because when, Je when Jehu spoke to them, uh, something happened in their lives. And I pray to God, oh God, make my sermons like that. I'm not, I don't want to preach to put everybody down. Uh, I want to preach, uh, amen, that unfruitful people can turn around and follow him and do something. The anointing brought the turn around. And there's pioneer pastors right here today. How are you going to take the land? We say, oh, we're going to shake the city. Oh, really? Oh, we're going to, we're going to, we're planet shakers. We love those terms. Shaking the city, shaking the, we're going to tear it up for Jesus. And then we go back to our little church, three, four people. Amen. No army. What we need tonight 
is the anointing. Jehu had no army. He had no money. Amen. But he had the anointing. And people met him on the road. They ex- it's a miracle when you're a pioneer. Don't tell the people in the church, call me pastor. You need to call me pastor. You know, they'll call you pastor if they have enough respect for you to call you the pastor. Hey, you have to listen to me. But you, know, you cannot earn people's obedience by telling them that they have to listen and call you pastor. They have to accept your leadership. And that's a miracle. Because we are only one step ahead of them. And they will go on the street. I've been on the streets talking to a guy and blah, 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 blah. And after half an hour, he say, can I go now? You ever been there? He said, my words fall to the ground. They're not touching the heart. Amen. And then you pray, say, Lord, I need that anointing in my life. Two soldiers turned around, followed him. A demonic king turned around and fled from him. Unfruitful men in the congregation turned around, amen, and brought revival back to the land. I'm telling you, there is an anointing that's available for the people of God. It's like oil from the hand of the prophet. That God can start to do things that we cannot even think or imagine. And if you try to do the work of God, you can go to the motions. It's easier on the outreach. Just go back and forth and, and preach. You can do everything. But to get somebody saved, you need the Holy Spirit and anointing. Anybody? I mean, I, I, I really, those rappers tonight were great. But the world has great rappers too. And what these boys need is the anointing. And we already experienced that on their lives. Amen. That you can sing the rap music, amen. The altar call comes and people raise their hand and their life is changed forever. And the only thing that can do that is the anointing that God gives us. Took the oil, brought them into the inner room and anointed him at all. What do we need to do, Pastor? Well, what do we need to do is we have to go into that inner room. I love the sermon last Monday, amen. We need to pray, amen. And I, I, I've heard that before. We all heard it before. But sometimes there comes a point that you're going to pray with some desperation in your heart. So, oh God, I need more than words. I need more than lyrics. I need more than that calisthenics. I need more than just automatic movements. I need the anointing working when I speak, amen, that the words will not fall to the ground. I mean, we have people in this fellowship that have that anointing. I mean, people like Mark Olson, what I shared this morning. He stands up, he pulls the offering, and $70,000 come in. That's a miracle, amen. People like Rick Martinez, we don't know what it is, but wherever he goes, there's a supernatural draw of people. People just come. Amen. People just come to those meetings. God is moving, things are happening. And you think, is it the flyer? Is it his name? No, it's the anointing on his life. It's the anointing on his life. And I'm preaching this sermon, amen, to get you a little bit desperate. Say, Lord, that's what I need. I need the anointing on my life. And I'm telling you, you got to go into that inner room and pray with a new dimension. Amen. Of desperation. Say, God, I cannot go any step further without you, me giving that anointing. I remember years ago, we were sent out and a little bit unexpected. And so like I said this morning, we're sent out a little bit unexpected. We went back on Saturday from that conference. Monday morning, I went to school. And I had a guy who always picked me up with his car. And I'm sitting in this in his car. And all of a sudden, I see the sign on the road, Breda. We're going to another city. Amen. And all of a sudden, the fear just grabbed a hold of me. And I looked at this guy. His name is Frank. And I witnessed to him for a couple of years. He never got saved. 
And I started to think, man, my wife and me, we go on the street every week. But up till then, we never had one person saved. And so I talked to my wife and said, Malise, you know, we go on the street faithfully every week and we witness and we do the thing and the church is growing, amen. But we personally, we never really got somebody really saved that stayed in the church. And I said to her, when we go to Breda, and this trend continues, we're going to be very lonely. <laughs> Can you say amen? <laughs> and so we started to pray that week because I got a little bit afraid. Because the fellowship can send you out. They can give you a beamer, get some speakers and a microphone. But they cannot give you the anointing. And I know that the, the elders lay up their hands, amen. But somebody has to go into that inner room and ask. And I can still remember those days that you were like desperate, like, man, and we're going to that city, and we're going on the outreach, we're not getting anybody saved. And my wife and I, we started to fast and pray. It was like a new dimension. Amen. I can still remember Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we went on a strut. Thursday evening, the shops are open, and we witnessed to a girl, and she got radically saved and was in the church. And we went to Breda. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not boasting, but we had evenings that we got five, six, seven people saved. What changed? What did, and I wonder later, what changed? Was it an easier city? No. Was I now doing it for my own little kingdom? No. It was a desperation that said, Lord, whatever I do for you, I want something to happen out of that. I want people to turn around. I want things to turn around. I just want, just want to preach one sermon and go on the outreach, go to the movement. I want the Holy Spirit to use me. And I'm telling you, if you go into that inner room and you come before the Lord with that attitude, uh, say, Lord, anoint me, amen, not to shine as a star, but I want to be anointed uh, to do your work and see something happening, amen. And I can promise you tonight there is an anointing, amen, from the Holy Spirit that can turn things around. We have to go back Saturday, maybe Monday. I don't know when you're going back. Amen. And the devil will have some increased opposition for you, especially after a conference. Somebody leaves the church. Somebody comes against you. Rebel stands up. I don't know. I'm not going to bring a bad prophecy to your life. But then you say, yes, praise the Lord. Amen. I can resist the devil and he will flee from me. And if you go into that in the room, in the place where you're pastoring, and you start to ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, please give me that anointing. Amen. You pray for it in desperation. I'm telling you, amen, there can come a place that you can see things turned around. How many people believe that tonight? Amen. So let's pray. Let's bow our heads. Let's just ask God right now. Father, we 